0: You know, Pastor Dave was sharing that amazing testimony of how God just moves on our behalf when we step out in obedience, and He's able to bless. You know, the Scripture talks about how He commands the blessing, and and I love that about the Lord. He's able to do what is impossible in the natural. What in in we say, "Hey, how can that be done?" We don't know, but God, just but God, He's the one that does it. So let's uh, be a people that continue to trust in him and believe for the supernatural. Let's believe that miracles are normal, amen? And it is God's way of showing himself to us. I love them. It says in Acts 2.22 that Jesus had credentials. Do you know that? He had credentials. It actually says that. It wasn't a BTH or an MDiv or a DTH or an ordination certificate. Uh, he didn't have that stuff. But what he did have was signs, wonders, and miracles. And it says that God accredited Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. With miracles, signs, and wonders. He was accredited. One translation says that the Father publicly endorsed him. Publicly endorsed him. And he's moving in such a way today that he wants us to begin to experience that again. Um, Quick testimony is just sitting there. I love to share stories because it encourages us to believe God for the supernatural. Even if you're dealing with something, even if you say, hey, I'm believing God for this in my life, I need a miracle, and it may be very serious, never give up on, on rehearsing the testimonies of the Lord. So quick testimony, we were in the United States in Florida several years ago, and this lady came to the place where we were preaching and ministering, and she said, would you please pray for my son? He said he has some rare disease, and both of his hands are swollen to the point that they look like balloons. And he's been in the hospital, and the doctors are saying that they're going to have to amputate both of his hands. And uh, so we agreed. We said, yeah, but he had been crying out, and he said to um, the Lord, He said, Lord, I want to be able to play my guitar and worship you. He was backslidden, he had turned away from the Lord. And he said, Lord, would you heal my hands so I I don't want to lose the, the loss of my hands to be able to do this. So we prayed together and we just commanded that the hands and the swelling would go down and that he would be released from the hospital. About six hours later, the woman called us and she said, my son has just been released from the hospital. They can't believe it. The swelling went down instantly. He doesn't need amputated, both of his hands. And it was a miracle, absolute miracle. So guys, never give up, never stop believing in the goodness of God. Uh, Hosea 3 verse five talks about the revival that we're in right now. And it's really a new covenant move of the spirit. And it says that they will come trembling to the goodness of God in the last days. I love that. Trembling to the goodness of God in the last days. I've been to, Lynn and I have been to some pretty crazy places in the world. Um, Some of those places like America, very crazy. Um, Honestly, Miami, Detroit, Chicago, all those places. I mean, in the hood, baby. And... uh, I'm telling you, it, it's crazy, but we, we've had the privilege of seeing God transform people's lives. There was a young man who came to a meeting in Miami. He was a gangbanger, part of a, you know what's called the Latin Kings, and uh, those guys are serious gangsters, right? And he came, and uh, he was invited there, and we just saw him and, and just gave a word of knowledge, released a word of knowledge over his life, and began to pray for him, and he just began to cry. He just began to weep. And he actually um, said to me, he said, hey, I said, I just feel something. He said, and he's, he's crying, he's in tears. He says, I, I, I know God's moving. He's touching my life. I said, listen, bro, he wants to change you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. He loves you. And the word the Lord gave me, actually, the first word, the word of knowledge was this, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And he looked at me, he said, how can God forgive me? I've killed so many people. I went, whoa, this is serious. This is full on. I've killed so many people. Um, We prayed for him and ministered to him. The Holy Spirit hit him, knocked him down, and he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was crying like a baby on the carpet. Amazing. God is good. God is good. Somebody needs to know that, that God is good. He doesn't hold our sins against us. He loves us so much. Wow, powerful. All right, let's take our Bibles, turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture. What do you think it is? Psalm 37, verse 4. Let's go there. Psalm 37, verse 4. <laughs> All right. I was going to make you guess. All right. That's oh, on the screen. That's cheating. <clears throat> All right, Psalm 37, verse 4. Very familiar. If you've been saved more than a month, you probably know this. Uh, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many know that God is good and he wants to give you the desires of your heart? Do you believe that? Right, it's true, this is what the Bible says. Well, I wanna share a story. Back in the mid-2000s, had the distinct privilege to actually go to a place in the niger delta that's in west africa to be proper it's actually in nigeria and i was able to preach the gospel there with a the team and this area a city called wari was actually in a crisis and the crisis was over um, the tension that had been brewing between the local people and the multinational oil companies. And out of the the people that lived there arose a group of young men that were called militants. And they were full on. I mean, they traveled around in in, uh, boats. They, They had machine guns. They had RPGs. And they were well known for kidnapping Westerners, particularly people who had come there uh, representing the oil companies or working for the oil companies. So we had no idea at the time how bad the situation was, but as we were flying from Toronto, Canada, to Nigeria, I had a conversation with a man there, and he looked at me and he said, where are you going in Nigeria? And I told him, Delta State. And he said, Delta State? He said, you are a very brave man. I wouldn't go there, and I'm a Nigerian. And I said, oh, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? Oh, Lord Jesus. So we eventually arrived at our destination in the city of Wari. And as we drove from the airport toward our hotel, I realized immediately how bad things were. There were snipers, army snipers on the rooftop, on balconies. They were dug in. I mean, they were, they were, there were blocks, roadblocks and, and checkpoints. And there was virtually no one in the streets. And on top of that, all of the shops had been closed down. We come into our hotel, which was really a fortified compound with walls that were about you know, 10 meters high, and we armed guards inside and outside, and we were just so tired, we went to sleep. When we woke up the next day, we immediately had a meeting to begin to plan out what was going to happen that week. Well, the first item of business was we had to visit the local olu. Olu is a king. In that part of Nigeria, it's been a tradition for centuries that this man, this king, is actually ruling and reigning there. And we were prepped regarding protocol. How do we prepare ourselves to meet this king? And one of the items that came up was you need to make sure that when you go to see him, that you honor him and you respect him, but you don't show up empty-handed. You have to have an offering. You have to give him a gift. So we ended up uh, giving him several different gifts, and one of the things that we were advised was give him money, US dollars. He'll be very happy with that. So we approached the king. By the way, he was a believer himself. And we told him of our intentions. We've come here, King, to be a blessing to your people. We want to preach the gospel. We've come here in peace. We've come here to represent the kingdom of God. And we really hope that you will give us permission. And you will do everything in your power to endorse us and to make this a huge success. Well, he looked at us and he said, absolutely. You've got my blessing. I'll tell the people all about it. And uh, we we gathered together the first night in the open field. There was only about two thousand people there. But by the second night, we had about thirty thousand people. And by the third, fourth, fifth night, we had over fifty thousand people that had come. Police wouldn't go there; it was too dangerous. The military said, "Hey, we'll show up." And the locals, the pastor said, "No." You're not welcome here. We don't want you here. And we preached the gospel, and God moved in a powerful way. We saw thousands of people come to Christ, many miracles. It was crazy. You know, some of the things you read about in the gospels, I literally saw that. I was thronged by hundreds of people to the point that I had to jump in, uh, literally jump in an armed personnel vehicle that they provided and drive off with people jumping in front of the car and wanting to touch me just to touch me, just like Jesus, wanting to touch Jesus. It was full on, and I was said, Lord, I've never seen such an incredible hunger in my life, anything, and this is a place that was steeped in witchcraft and idolatry. In fact, there was a missionary from the United Kingdom who had gone there 100 years previous, the name of the village is called Okwagbe, and he had preached the gospel there and they rejected him and literally ran him out from the village. He shook the dust off his feet and he said, you know, this is a God forsaken place. And after we finished preaching the gospel there, I was informed by the locals that I had just made it into history books because I'm the first white man to preach the gospel, really Westerner, to preach the gospel there in a 100 years. They said this was something incredible and they even told me, by the way, the police wouldn't protect us. They wouldn't come here. It was too dangerous. I had no idea what I was getting into, but how many know sometimes we're better off that ignorance is bliss? But praise God for his faithfulness and what he had done. I'm looking forward to do that again someday. Not. Absolutely never again. Some things in life you do it once, that's enough, right? Okay. So here's what I want you to understand today. There is a parallel between that, that uh, encounter that we had with this king in Nigeria and how we approached him. See, it was our approach that granted us access. We just couldn't come before him flippantly, just saying, hey, king, what's going on? How are you? Like, hey, we're here just to be a blessing. No, we had to come with reverence and respect we had to follow the proper protocol in order to secure his blessing. And we serve a king that is even greater than any earthly dignitary or ruler. His name is Jesus Christ, he's king of kings and Lord of lords, and he is worthy of even greater honor and respect, and we are to pay homage to him. And when we approach him, the scripture tells us that likewise, we must not come before him empty-handed. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. The first one that I'd like to look at is found in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. It says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Make sure that you do not come before the Lord empty handed is what Moses is saying. Likewise, the psalmist declares in 96 verse eight, give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Bring an offering. When you trace this theme throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, it unequivocally states that God must be approached with a sacrifice, with an offering. It's very important that we understand this because how we approach God determines the access that we receive. Proverbs 18, verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Another translation puts it this way. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Very important that we understand this. We must prepare ourselves to worship God, to approach God. We prepare ourselves in so many ways. We prepare our physical appearance. We prepare for marriage. We prepare to become parents. We we prepare for a job interview. We prepare academically. We even prepare for difficult times. But how many of us actually prepare ourselves for the Lord. We must make preparation in order to worship him in a way that is acceptable. Esther was prepared for one year with beauty treatments before she would be presented to the king. One year, ladies, in the morning, it might take you an hour or so to get ready, but can you imagine one year of preparation? You wouldn't be going anywhere. (laughs) Likewise, the Bible says about the bride of Christ, Revelation 19, verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, listen to this, and his bride has made herself ready. His bride has made herself ready. There is a preparation process. There is a readying of ourselves that we must come before the Lord and we are fully prepared for him. You think how casual and flippant many of us are. You know, we love 1 Samuel 16 verse seven. It says, you know, that God, it says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we're like, yeah, that's it. God looks at the heart. He sees the condition of our heart. He sees the posture of ourselves. Oh, God doesn't care about any of these things. That's not important how we prepare ourselves before God. No, the scripture is very clear that there is a way to approach God. There's a proper way to come before God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's worthy of more honor than any earthly dignitary. Read Malachi chapter one. The people are offering to God lame sacrifices, blemished offerings. And the prophet says this, hey, it's actually God speaking through the prophet. Hey, go ahead and offer those gifts to your, you know, your premier, your governor, your your local ruler, and see how he responds. How does he feel? He says, I'm a great king. I'm to be feared. I'm greater. So how dare you come before me this way, flippantly? Guys, this isn't legalism. This is all about the posture of our heart. It's all about making sure that we come before God and we learn to worship him in a way that is acceptable to him. Romans 12 verse 1 tells us that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And it says, holy and acceptable unto God. There is obviously a way that God wants us to worship him. Jesus said that the Father seeks those that worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Okay, let's flip that. What's the antithesis of spirit and in truth? Flesh and lies. Flesh and lies. God isn't looking for those who worship him you know, with their flesh, with their soul and, you know, deceptively or or lightheartedly. No, God is looking for a people that approach him and worship him in spirit and truth. That word truth, Alethean Greek literally speaks of sincerity from a sincere heart coming from that. We may not be perfect. That's not the issue. What God is saying is, but do you, are you coming before me with a heart that really desires and delights to do my will? How we approach God informs the access that we receive of him. And how much we esteem him also causes us to experience access to his promises, to his, to his privileges, and to all of his provision. It's very important that we get this, guys. The king granted us access. He said, all that I have in the kingdom is yours. Do you need help? Literally, he provided sound systems. He provided money. He provided people to to video what we were doing. He gave us everything and even handed us an envelope full of U.S. dollars. He didn't need our money. Like I gave him like 500 U.S. dollars and he handed me like an envelope full, thousands of U.S. dollars. He didn't need it. But the gesture of approaching the king with an offering is the point. We must come before God giving him an offering that is due to his name. You see, access also grants us favor and blessing. Very important. When we have access to the king, we also can receive favor and blessing from him. But before we jump into that, because we all love that, don't we? Oh yes. I want God's blessing. I want his favor on my life. We all love that. But before we tackle that subject, let me just say that God loves his king, his kids, and he desires to give his blessings. It's it's his will, right? I mean, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more will God, your heavenly father, a benevolent, perfect heavenly father, give good gifts to his children? It's an amazing thing, but we also have to understand that there is a word of warning here. We must be careful that our reason for seeking God, our reason for serving the Lord, is not just about securing his privileges, and, and his promises and even his provision, there must be first and foremost a desire for his presence in person, that we're seeking him. You know, can you imagine that? A, a wife, she gets married, and what ends up happening is, you know, it's, it's honeymoon time, and husband's like, hey, we're married now, and she's like, yeah, that's right, I want your credit card, I only married you for your stuff. Like, I mean, that's how it, it is with many of us. We seek God for the fringe benefits. What what can he give us? More about what he provides for us, what he can give us, rather than knowing him personally, having that intimate relationship with him. We must ensure that our passion, this is our second point, is always about his presence. Our passion is always focused on his presence. It's so important that we get this right. Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, not in what the Lord can give you and what the Lord has in his gifts. Don't seek his hand, seek his face. You're gonna get the handout, you're gonna get the blessings, but ultimately it's about seeking him first, worshiping him in the beauty of his holiness. So the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. The word delight in the Hebrew language means this. Are you ready? to be soft, dainty, to be beautiful, and delicate. Jeremiah 6, verse 2, it's used of um, the bride or, or of the people of Israel and in, in that respect that, they, that he refers to his own people that way. But the word can also be translated to allure, to entice by making oneself attractive. To entice or to allure by making oneself attractive. Delight yourself from God. How attractive is he to you? How beautiful is he to you? Think about the song of Solomon, right? It says, she says, the one in whom my soul loves. I mean, there's like five times in that chapter, just in the first few verses, the one in whom my soul loves. By the way, she had to get past the watchman to find the one in whom her soul loves. Because they should have been helping her, being able to point her, watchman, like they know what's going on, well, she had to actually go past them to be able to find this. Are you pursuing him, the one in whom your soul loves? You know, there was a point in, in our ministry, we've been in ministry over 30 years now. That's your place to applaud. God's faithful. <laughs> but in all honesty, it's like, wow, he's faithful. Like, how, how do we endure this and go through it, right? It's been a lot of great blessings, trust me. But the point I'm trying to make here is that when you get to that place where it's no longer about speaking opportunities, it's no longer about offerings, it's no longer about the size of the crowd or or those type of things, but it becomes all about just knowing him. Yeah. And during COVID, I actually went through uh, an, an interesting journey. I'm sure many of us did, especially here, you guys, but it was about here I am in COVID. We had just... Moved back about a year before COVID to America from Perth, Australia, where we were living and pastoring. And we go back and, you know, we're helping a church, we're, we're helping transition this church. And then what takes place is COVID happens and the Lord speaks to us and he says, launch an itinerant ministry. And here's, I mean, in COVID, launch an itinerant ministry. I know people who were preaching all over the world, massive churches that couldn't get speaking engagements. And the Lord says, launch a ministry, an itinerant ministry. So I'm thinking to myself, only like someone who has an anointing like Catherine Kuhlman is going to get meetings. And so I have a friend and he calls me up. I hadn't spoken to him in about 15 years and he calls me up, he had just moved to Texas. And he says, hey Glenn, It's good to see. I I saw you on social media. It's good to connect with you. What are you doing these days? And I said, well, we're going to launch an itinerant ministry. And he said, wow, that's going to be interesting. Only someone who had an anointing like Catherine Kuhlman could pull that off. And I said, okay. I I claim that. I claim that in Jesus' name. So we step into itinerant ministry and guys, the invitations and the opportunities are coming in. They're not all massive, big churches by any means, but we go there and we're getting blessed. People are being generous. There's opportunities and, and it's an amazing thing because the Lord showed me, he said, son, if you will delight yourself in me, I'll take care of you. I'll open the doors. I'll give you supernatural favor. It doesn't matter what it looks like, what everybody says. He said, your favor is upon me. It, my favor is upon you, and I will cause you to experience amazing miracles. Wow. Praise God. When we delight ourselves in him, and we serve Him for who He is. Think about that. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3 eight. Indeed, I count everything. In the Greek language, everything means everything. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. There is a surpassing worth Of anything else in this life. And it's knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. Now Paul was a straight shooter. Paul said it the way it was. And he's saying my desire is to know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The same Paul who had raised the dead, who had preached the gospel in many different places, who had seen incredible miracles like few people have ever witnessed, cries out and says, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him intimately. I want to know him personally. I want that relationship with him. It's all about knowing him, having that relationship with him. And God is raising up a generation in this time that are not concerned about all the religious trappings and all of the paraphernalia, but their delight is to know God and to make him known that his glory would come on the earth and bring transformation to cities and nations. This is a day in which we're living in. It's a time of revival. It's a time of reformation. But it's a time of resurrection. And God is saying, wake up, O slumberer. Come back to your first love. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in him. You will find him beautiful. You'll find him that he satisfies every need you have. You will find him as more than enough. A great Indian... Prophet by the name of Sadur Sundar Singh said this about prayer. See, many of us prayers about going down the shopping aisle with our trolleys, right? Well, one of this, one of that, give me one of this. Yeah, I'll take one of those. But he says this listen, prayer is the desire to possess God Himself, the source of all life. The true spirit of prayer does not consist in asking for blessings, but in receiving Him. Who is the giver of all blessings. And in living a life of fellowship with him. Wow. To know him. Our passion must be for his presence. Here is a powerful truth. When we truly delight ourselves in the Lord. We also become his delight. And we attract his presence and his favor. And guess what? He gives us the desires of our heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what? Every problem in life, God has a promise in his word. It's amazing. God has a promise in his word for every problem that we will ever face on this side of eternity. But for every promise in God's word, there's also a process. See, if we engage in the process, God will bring the promise to pass. Some of us, we just want the promise, and God's gonna do it, but I want you to see here, again, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's our responsibility, that's the process. And the promise is he will give you the desires of your heart. Wow. Romans 12, verse 1, I've already uh, referred to this. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship. Now holy and acceptable when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. The word that is translated acceptable means well-pleasing, and it carries the connotation of bringing delight to God. Bringing delight to God. We bring delight to him. We bring delight to him. Do you know he delights in you? Zephaniah 317. He takes great delight in and rejoices over his children with singing. Great delight. Amazing that God looks at us at that way, and he wants us to actually experience all that delights his heart. That's what the Passion Translation says, that you would experience all that delights his heart. Wow, this isn't just about us worshiping him and him going, well, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's acceptable. No, no, no. The word acceptable means it's well-pleasing. I'm delighted. And it's about us in terms, the reciprocating of that, that he causes us to walk in that blessing. You know, there are some people that catch God's eye. They they secure his attention. It's just amazing. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says this, But this is the one to whom I will look. God says, there's a person that I'll take a look at. This is the one to whom I will look. He is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That term, look, literally means to scan, to look intently at, and by implication, it means to regard with pleasure, favor, or care. Wow. God says, hey, I look upon you with pleasure. I look upon you with favor. I look upon you with care. What an amazing revelation that God wants us to experience that because you see, he actually delights in giving you the desires of your heart. He delights in it. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. You may be, well, I don't know about that. I mean, isn't that just insignificant to God? I mean, or I haven't really been the best person. I haven't been really faithful to God. No, no, no. He delights in giving you the desires of of your heart. He wants you to experience those desires. Jesus said, and he who sent me is with me. He's not left me, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. But you see, The favor of God is something that we can increase in. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The word favor is charis in the Greek language. It's translated grace throughout the New Testament. 2 Peter 3.18 says grow in the grace, the charis, the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can grow, you can increase in the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I went to a conference, and I was asked to speak on the topic of identity, one of my favorite subjects. And when we got there, you know, we had to wear these, these name tags, ones you take off, you stick on your jacket or whatever. And I actually says, hello, my name is, so I wrote my name, Glenn, and then below it, I put in brackets, the father's favorite son. I'm cheeky, right? Now, there was, a, there was literally a rhyme and reason for this, okay? Uh, I was speaking on identity. But I was referring to the scripture in the gospel of John seven times. It says, the disciple in whom Jesus loved. Seven times. And who wrote the gospel of John? John. All right? So a little bit conceited, I don't know. Certainly, he didn't have any issues with insecurity. But here he is. Hey, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. I know it. I'm loved by him. I'm loved by him. And so when I got up there and people saw that, they were like, oh, who are you? I said, look, I am the father's favorite son, just as it says. Read my lips, right? And, and, and it's like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, and so are you. You are too. You may not know it, but you are. You need to understand you can read all the scriptures that talk about your identity and what we call new creation reality scriptures and you can quote them. But if it never moves from here to here, it will never transform your life. It mustn't be just something that you give that you give mental assent to. It has to become something as Paul talks about that the God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would flood your eyes, the eyes of your heart that you would come into a place where you understand who it is by revelation. And when you come to that place and you know who you are, just like John, you never doubt. You never doubt, you never doubt seven times, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says of himself, you come to that place where it becomes a reality for you. Wow. And the very last example of him saying this is found in the final chapter of John, chapter 21, where it actually says that here's John with Jesus and the same John who would put his head on Jesus' breast. He would lean on Jesus. So my point is this. Can you imagine hearing the heartbeat of the Son of God? Leaning on Jesus and actually hearing his heartbeat? Wow. John said, hey, I know who I am because I know whose I am. I am connected to him, and I know what he thinks of me. This isn't like a poll, an opinion poll. I'm popular this week, not next week. I mean, there was a time when Judas was pretty popular. But the point is, (laughs) he said, no, no, this is secure. It's locked in. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And how do I know that? Because Jesus said that to me. Jesus whispered that to me. I received a revelation and even an impartation of that through the spirit that brought confirmation. It wasn't just something that I just kind of ascribed to. It's something that I know realistically in my life. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Think about that. What is it that you are believing God for? What is it? It's a desire of your heart. If you're delighting yourself in the Lord, guess what happens? He puts his desires in your heart. He puts his desires in your heart. The things that he loves, you love. The things that he hates, you hate. It begins to change you. That's what repentance literally means. Change your mind, metanoia. It's all about that transformation of your, not only the way you think, but even your affections. It's an amazing thing. Delight yourself. Be enamored with him, his beauty. But know that he loves you also and that he delights in you. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. No matter how difficult it may seem. No matter how far out there it may be. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. No matter how many times you've asked, how many times you've prayed, regardless of how long you've been waiting, he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said in John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Wow. Ask. And you will receive that your joy may be full. What an incredible thing. I remember a time I was flying to Africa, different country. I was in the airport in Toronto, Canada, and had a significant layover in London. And I said to the Lord, Lord, when I go to London, so I don't want to sit in the airport. I want to do something. I want to go see the sights. You know, and I said, Lord. Would you send someone that I could connect with that would actually take me around and show me the sights? See, that's where I was at. I believed that God would do it. Let me say, well, yeah, right, that's out there. I mean, yeah. so shortly after that, I was sitting, and this couple comes and they sit beside me in the airport and they introduce themselves. Where are you going? I told them where I was going in Africa. They were going to a different country. They said, do you have a layover? And I said, yes, a very long layover in London. So do we. I said, oh, would you be interested in seeing the sights? I used to be a tour guide, and I would show people all around London. And I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Now you're talking. Like, I just said, well, let me pray about it. I mean, some of us are like that, aren't we? Well, let me pray about it. Is this you, Lord? Come on. Come on. He's good. He's good. <laughs> so I got to meet the queen, had tea with her. No, I'm just kidding. But she didn't drink coffee. She had tea. You know, it's a British thing. So, but anyway, the point is, the point is, God was faithful. What seems so trivial, so insignificant. God gave me the desire of my heart. I've seen other times where God has answered crazy prayers. I shared this testimony in the first service and I didn't have all of the facts. And how many know that's one of the reasons why you're married? Make sure you get the right, all the information, right? So Lynn kindly told me, Hey, you forgot to share an important part of the story. So here's the story. I'm in a Caribbean island. It's part of the British Virgin Islands. It's an offshore banking community. In other words, everybody hides their money there. It's a tax shelter, right? So, I'm there, a lot of very wealthy people. It's like the yachting capital of the world. I administered there, preached the a crusade. I met Multi, multi-millionaires. They took us out on their, on their yachts, incredible things. And what ends up happening is uh, I'm preaching and I get a word of knowledge. I said, there's someone here. And I said, God wants you to know that he's gonna do a miracle that has to do with your finances. And I said, wow, the Lord says, you are in debt more than one million US dollars. He's going to do something incredible. He's going to do something powerful. He's going to cancel your debt. But I said, here's the part I missed. I said, but you have to repent of your wickedness. Whoa. That's like, I'll give you the desire of your heart without delighting in the Lord. So I shared that word. I should be very intense, you know that? I still believe that we need to repent. But the point is, I shared that word. And this woman came forward and I prayed with her and I ministered to her. She admitted that was her situation. A few months later, the pastor calls me up. Says, you remember that word? And I said, yeah, I remember. He goes, well, the woman, she actually told me she got a call. She went to see her her banker because she was told, you know, you owe this money. You're gonna have to deal with it. And when she walked in and she actually sat down with her banker. The banker said, you've experienced an incredible miracle. I've never seen this before. Someone who wants to remain anonymous came in and paid off your debt. Over one million US dollars. USD, baby. The real money. Not this colored stuff like we have in Canada. Not talking about Australia. (laughs) The greenback, baby the real thing and it was an incredible testimony listen i want to encourage you guys let's just stand together and ask the worship team to come we're going to pray but we're going to believe again see here's how it works you delight yourself in the lord he gives you desires he puts desires in your heart then you ask you place a demand on god do you know that scriptural to place a demand on God? Come boldly before my throne. The word boldly means with all outspokenness. Come with all outspokenness, boldly, confidently, not because. It's like a child that comes to his father. It's like, hey, dad, mom, can you do this? Will you do that? By virtue of that relationship, I mean, what they're asking for may not be realistic, but they still do it. So there's a place where God says, hey, place a demand. And when you do, and he answers, then that results in his glory and his power being displayed. And your joy is full. Your joy is full. Zephaniah 1.12 speaks about a people who become complacent. The imagery is like the dregs of wine just settled on the bottom. And they become comfortable, settled. They said they say in their heart, the Lord will not do good. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just stopped believing in the goodness of God. I prayed. He knows where I live. He could do it. He could answer me. I remember a woman came to a church in Canada where we were ministering. And she said, I came here today because I found out that people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. She says, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, that's awesome. She said, but I prayed for 25 years, never received it. And I said to her, do you want it now or during the service? She goes, I don't care. So I put my hand on it. I said, receive the Holy Spirit. She hit the floor, started speaking in tongues, got baptized with the Holy Spirit after 25 years. So simple, crazy, God's good. But do we believe in his goodness that he wants to do good? They shall come trembling to the Lord and his goodness in the last days. Hosea 3, 5. Trembling to the Lord and his goodness in the last days. God is better than we think he is. Even, he can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So I can ask some pretty far out things, outlandish things. I can because my faith is at a certain level. But he can do way beyond all that way beyond all that way beyond that come on guys way beyond that he cares no matter how far-fetched it seems no matter how difficult and the natural it may be or how trivial it appears to you and me God's able to do it he's able to do it some of you you've given up praying for your loved ones to come to the Lord you stop believing for healing or a miracle Even if we're struggling with something, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God wants to do.